to Women of Fortitude with Rondi Jane and Kelsey. This is a place where women will share their stories in order to inspire other women. And also to remind all women that you are a woman of fortitude. And we're back again for another episode of Women of Fortitude with Rondi Jane and Kelty. So today we've got Miss Leah Prentice-Jones with us. Before we jump right in, I wanted to bring up the topic of the revival that is going on. Have you heard about it? And it started in Asbury, Kentucky. It seems like I have heard something about it, but I do not know much. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> on campus at Asbury in Kentucky, they started just like their typical worship service in their chapel. And my husband was just telling me this morning how it actually started. A young man, a college kid, stood up and gave his testimony and talked about how he was not where he needed to be with God and he wanted to grow that relationship. And it just set a fire and like students started just coming to the altar and they are worshiping and praising and like it went on. Like, I think they're still there, yes. right? Yes. They're still, yeah, they're yes. like on day, this would be day eight. I was um, going to say seven or eight. Yes. Yeah. And then I read an article yesterday that there's another college where yes. it has started. Yes. And there's one in Birmingham. Yes. And um, there's one in Jackson, Tennessee is going to start. They're doing plan to do a revival, I think, this weekend. Well, I actually saw this girl on TikTok, but <laughs> she wouldn't be a fun. Like she said, she had been reading that scripture in Ezekiel about the dry bones coming mm -hmm. alive. And she had been praying through that scripture and she talked to a pastor and said, I just feel like something's about to happen. So amazing. And then all this started in Asbury and now she's actually a college student. She's doing, going to the one in Jackson, Tennessee. And she's like, this is amazing. Like God is showing up. Yeah. So, so I think our point with that was you never know what your story is going to spark. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun icebreaker, like to talk about maybe some amazing revival experiences. What do you think? Sure. And it doesn't necessarily be like church revival, revival, because I was telling Kelty, we've all been on the Christian retreat, walk to Emmaus. That was an amazing revival to me. Like it revived my heart and soul and set me afire. God just spoke to my heart in just such a special way and just gave me an eye-opening of things that I had just been overlooking. That was the most amazing revival of my soul ever. So, Well, I guess Emmaus is that way for me too. But the thing with Emmaus is on the road to Emmaus, God opened their eyes. Mm. And so I kind of look at it as every time I go, my eyes are open to something new. Mm -hmm. the, when I went on my original walk, I, my eyes were opened to like service that I needed to serve others. And then I went back and I walked another one and my eyes were open to something else. Kind of feel like that Emmaus is that ongoing revival in my life. It is. And, and yeah, your eyes are going to be open because I mean, your life's always moving. In right. 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 Yes. And, you know, it just changes from time to time. And yes, I loved Emmaus. I did. And I learned it was things I needed to see in my life that I needed to be fulfilled. Things that I had been praying for. Like I prayed for friends for two years. Every single day I prayed for just one friend. 
But in my mind, I had what I thought I needed a friend to be my same exact age, mm-hmm. have kids the same age as my kids, uh-huh. who did the same things uh-huh. that I did, who liked the same things that I did. So I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, and nothing's happening, which I had friends. I just didn't right. like realize it right. because right. it wasn't what I thought that room was supposed to be. So then I go to Emmaus, and I think, this is where I'm going to find my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at a table with women all over 50. <laughs> what are you trying to tell me, guys? Like, what is this? And so it was then that my eyes were opened up to a friend is not what you see is somebody that is there for you, that prays for you, that will walk with you, that you know, has your back. It doesn't have to be, Mm -hmm. you know, people are different. We're so diverse and we learn Mm -hmm. from the different ages of different people, people from experience. Now I have young friends, old friends, you know, but my biggest revival experiences were when I was at the Home of Grace, which is a rehab down on the coast. It is a faith-based recovery center. We went to a different church every Sunday. We had different people come in to do devotions every night. And this one group that came every time there was a graduation and they came once a week too. This one particular night was just really, really special. Um, And after they got done doing their devotion, they're called Soldiers of the Cross is who they are. Men and women, motorcycle, (laughs) motorcycle people. um, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, so they get done doing their devotion and we just all got up in a circle. Lady Miss Pam, she was speaking and she asked if anybody wanted them to pray for them. And I went and she wrapped me up in her arms and, you know, I just started shaking all over and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And right then, you know, I've been saved when I was younger, but that day it was December 9th, 2014. <laughs> That is the day that I was officially made new. And I mean, after 13 years of addiction, that high right there that I got from the Holy Spirit, nothing will ever, ever trump that. That was just the most reviving experience Mm -hmm. I've ever had. And of course, I've had several more since then, but that Mm -hmm. is the one that sticks out in my mind. And that's the one that started the fire. Yes. That's the one that. That was it. Yes. And you win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's wins. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I'm very interested to hear your story. Um, Kelty said she's seen some of your posts and things, but I really don't know that much about it. So, okay. Tell us your story. <laughs> okay, this is my story. So I grew up in Jumpertown which, of course, you two know. Everybody that's listening might not. If you blink when you go through it, you miss it. Not a whole lot to do there. Raised at Jumpertown United Methodist Church. We were there every time the doors were open. I knew God. I had a relationship with God. Played sports. Beta club. Math science club. Good, normal, average kid, you know. Had no reason to go down the path I did, but... Like I said, I'm from Jumpertown. There was nothing else to do, so that's what I've always used as my excuse. I mean, of course, there in high school, I started drinking and stuff, but when I was 17, so I, my birthday's in August, so I graduated at 17, and that is when I tried crystal meth for the first time after I graduated. 
and that led to a 13-year addiction. The only time during those 13 years that I was ever sober is when I was pregnant with my two children. Yeah, the only times I was ever completely sober for 13 years. I didn't do crystal meth the whole time. Yeah, there was a little brief brief period there where it was just pot, pills, yeah, cocaine. I was a functioning addict for a long time, probably about seven years, I guess. I was married. It was a very difficult relationship, I'll say. And he was controlling. And when we finally got divorced, I guess, I just decided something else needed to control me. So I got back on crystal meth again. And I was no longer a functioning addict. I was just straight out too high to worry about anything getting more high. I had no home, no car, no phone. I had nothing, but I had it. That was it. So I would walk different places with a million different bags, whichever friend's house where the drugs were, that's where I would stay. Just a broken, selfish addict in need of a savior, but too high to know that. In 2013, my addiction had gotten worse than ever. I found myself in jail five times within six months. Each time my stay would get a little longer. Started out just two days, you know. Next time will be a week. Next time will be a month. First thing I did, as soon as I got out of jail every time, go get high. In 2013, I also met a guy. And I was head over heels in love with him from the first time I saw him. And then not only were the drugs my God, he was too. And I would do anything I had to do to make sure he was coming back to my house every night. There was one night when we had decided we thought we could afford to rent a house. We, we didn't have money to get the power turned on or anything. So we had generators and headlights and things. And Gavin and Madly, my two kids, they came to stay with us. And the law wound up coming to pick us up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, DHS came to get them. You know, so that's just one of the times that they were with me that something happened and they had to be there and see it. So I'm just so thankful that I didn't didn't have them with me all the time. And I know that seems so awful to say, but no, I think as a mother, I understand what you mean. Yes, like you're just thankful that they yes. were safe and because I have seen kids, you yes. know, be at the drug houses with us, yes. sitting yes. out in the vehicle, or just trying to keep them out of the room, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm just thankful that they didn't have to go through that. It got one point where I had to stay in jail for three weeks, I think, in Tippa County Jail. And from there, Prentice County had revoked a bond because we didn't pay the bills bond. And so I had to go from Tippa County to Prentice County and stay for a whole month. So all those times that you're going to jail, like, was it your mom that would get you out or how were you getting out? 
at first my family, uh, one of the first times my family got me out. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it was Jared that got me out. Uh, my husband, yeah. what, which was my boyfriend at the time. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So, okay. yes, because it was right there when I'd met him and I started taking the checks and all that. Because mm-hmm. I also took some of my great aunt's checks and these were two of the things that I wound up going to jail over. When I went to jail, it never was over drugs. Yeah. It was over the things I was stealing to get the drugs. Gotcha, okay. Yes. And so he was in that lifestyle too. Oh, yes. Gotcha. Yes. That is um, how I met my husband. Of course, we needed a fix. And my friend said she had someone that was coming to pick her up and take her to get some. Did I want to go? First, I was like, no, I don't want to go. But then I saw who it was. I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. That was the first time I'd ever seen it. I was like, he's hot. <laughs> and he still talks about it now. He's like, the first time I saw you, and like I said, we'd been asleep for it, so I should have been sobered up, but there was just so much in my system. You know, it was always there, I guess, because he talks about the way I was flopping around. And, you know, just, so that's that was how I met my husband was through drugs. Same lifestyle. His son was five at the time. Mm-hmm. Now he is our son. And now we get to be the mother that they deserve, which my oldest son is graduating now and he kind of takes care of himself. So, how old is he? Gavin is 18. Okay. Madeline and Aiden are both 15. Okay. There's only two months between mm-hmm. them. Oh. And when they were little, she would say they were step twins. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Aiden, that is um, our youngest son. So he, he would be with Jarrett sometimes um. during all this stuff. But Jarrett was really good with him. Aiden was really, really shy. He wouldn't speak to any adults, but he loved my daddy. And my daddy was an addict, too. He would not speak a word to me. He wouldn't speak to any other adult that he did not know. I don't even think he spoke to his uncle until, like, he was six years old, maybe. I mean, he was just that shy. His parents wound up raising him because Jarrett went to prison after we went to jail. Jarrett, he worked this, this whole time, which not... He was working for uh, QTs by Camille, is what it was called at that time, which mm-hmm. is Blackberry yeah. Bottom now. So, And that was kind of laid back because he could go when he wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever. So he was working for Scott and Camille. He started going to meetings and started going to church at Mount View at that time mm-hmm. is where he was going to church. So when I got out of Prentice County Jail when he came to get me. That was the first time ever. We didn't go straight to get high. Um, we started going to Living Free with Tommy Wilson in Corinth. They do like support groups on Monday nights and then on Thursday they have like just a speaking, just a place for addicts to go and find support with other people, you know, people that are in recovery mm-hmm. and families of people who are still living in addiction, just things like that. It helps you to cope and helps you to stay sober and accountable so he started doing all that and going to church and i did all that with him and scott and camille wound up giving me a job too that was the first job i'd had in years and everything was going really well for a couple months i had some teeth pulled 
Got some more tabs. No. Yes, and from there, it, it progressed right back into the crystal meth again. And we were still working, though. I was back living at my grandparents at this point. They have a, attic, a studio apartment that they had built for me years when Gavin was first born. You know? And so I was living there doing as good as could be expected. And then when everything started back, then I kind of started slipping again, you know, not wanting to come home. They didn't want Jarrett there. And it was just hard and I didn't like it. I didn't like them trying to give me rules again. And I had no understanding of why they didn't trust me. Right. Which is crazy because I should have known why they didn't trust <laughs> me. It took me years to figure that out. Yeah. But anyways, I was sick one day. And so I was asleep in my attic at Grand's and Jarrett went on to work. And Scott was a big deer hunter and had killed a deer the day before and sent Jarrett and somebody else to go clean it. This was at the hunting club. Of course, there they have four-wheelers, side-by-sides, all kinds of stuff that you can sell for money. Jerry gets the bright idea, we're going to go get some of these four-wheelers. I didn't want to go, but I love Jared, and I would have done anything just to be around him. So we go with um, another couple and try to get these four-wheelers, and it just turned out to be a disaster. Got the truck stuck mm -hmm. there. We did wind up getting two four-wheelers, but we had to ride them because the truck was stuck. Oh, my God. Yes. It, it, it was really, really bad. <laughs> when I say it was bad, it was bad. Me and Jarrett wound up getting separated. I was on a four-wheeler with this guy and his girlfriend. Jarrett was on a four-wheeler by himself. And finally, eventually, we met up but decided we needed to go back and try to get the vehicle so nobody would figure out. Yeah. Well, wound up. After we finally got the vehicle out, trailer hits the tire. The tire just starts smoking. Oh. Yes, it was, it was bad. <laughs> Ran out of gas in my vehicle around Hankins Sawmill. We walked from there and finally made it to Dry Creek. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's quite a little hike. Yes. We wound up sleeping on my aunt's couch, and the law came and got us the next morning. That was January 11th was the day all that started. That was the 13th when we were booked into Tippa County Jail. And then a couple of days later, we learned that our bonds were revoked. So we would not be getting out of jail. At first, I was bitter. I was mad, mad at God, mad at my family, mad, just mad, mad at everybody except who I needed to be mad at. And that was me. And that's when the Holy Spirit started working on me, you know. Little girl, little girl, mm -hmm. we have been trying to get your attention, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. have been trying and you just wouldn't listen. He said, be still and know that I'm God. And he got me still and he knew that's what it would take. You know, mm -hmm. when God's trying to get our attention, he will keep on and on and on until he gets it or we break. I should have been dead under the jail is where I should have been. But instead, I was getting to stay in that jail cell, in that pod with the warm bed every night, food every day. You know, that's what my mom says today. 
she didn't ever worry when I was in jail because she knew she knew then where I was and that I was being taken care of. And at first my prayers were, God, if I go to prison, I'm just gonna quit everything, I'm gonna just forget because I don't want to go to prison. Mm -hmm. Well, here comes the Holy Spirit again. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you should be dead under that jail, honey, <laughs> but you're not. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was like, yeah, that's right. I should be dead under the jail. I deserve to go to prison. That is what I deserve. It was a big weight on my shoulders mm -hmm. worrying about that because um, it looked like I would have to go one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Jarrett is in the men's pod just across the hall, but we can't see each other. We can't. So we would find ways to communicate while we were in there. Just, I guess that was part of the convict in us, I guess. She was I figured out just how many cards I had to put in an envelope to be able to slide it across the you know. In the letters, he would slide back to me and stuff. I would see that he was learning and growing, too, while he was in there. I read the Bible all the way through wow. while I was in jail because, like I said, I was booked in in January. Mm -hmm. um, went to court for the first time in May. They gave me 10 years, uh, seven suspended, three to serve. I said, no, thank you. So they sent me back to the jail. So I decided to go to rehab after jail because, I mean, of course, I'd been sober for the eight and a half months I was in there I didn't want to go for sobriety I wanted to go for God and because I could do all that Bible study and praying and everything while I was in jail but you need other people right mm -hmm. other people with experience other people who know know the Bible and mm -hmm. you know that you can grow and learn from and um, support. Yes, yes. Support you system. just you you just need that. Mm -hmm. So when you did get out, like, did you have old friends that tried to contact you and pull you back in? I, that has been one thing that has just amazed me through this whole thing because I have not. Most people who are living in addiction, they want a different life. They want to change. Mm -hmm. They just don't know how, or once they get sober, they don't want to be sober because they don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. So when they can see other people be sober and living and happy, they don't want to pull you back down. They really don't. There are a few that do, mm -hmm. of course. You know, you're going to have your bad people. But for the most part, all the people I was around before, they were just happy for me and didn't want to try to pull me back in. You know, I don't I don't know why I have been so blessed and fortunate in that area since I've been out. Jail and rehab, that was easy. You know, mm -hmm. I, there was no body trying to offer me anything. There was no, I didn't have another choice. Right. You know, um, when I got out of rehab, that's when the adversity came. That's mm -hmm. where my courage had to mm -hmm. come in. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily in a way that you would think. Not because I was afraid of doing drugs again or anything. My problem was me and my pride, mostly. I still had nothing, you know. No house, no car, no phone. I didn't have anything. It was just me. Gavin and Madley in 
grand's little studio apartment upstairs. And my grand was not too happy with me, you know, even though I'd been sober for a year. She was just waiting on me to mess up again. <laughs> and I was mad at them. I, I thought, hey, I'm sober a year. Give me stuff. Where's, where's my car? Where's, where's my phone? You know, where's, where's our house? <laughs> I mean, are y'all not going to just give me everything? That's, that's kind of, cause you don't really know what to expect. If you've lived 13 years, just getting high, you don't think about what comes after. What, what, how do you get back to a normal life? Nobody's ever going to give me a job. Don't know where to start. How am I even going to get to a job? Cause I don't have a car. So a month goes by. And my selfish prayer started again. Oh, God, here I am. Look at me. I'm doing so good. And there's all them people out there just messing up, and you're just blessing them left and right. I just don't understand. I might as well just turn back to my old ways. Try to bribe God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here I have. I'm done my part. What are you going to do? Yeah. I'm going to start messing up again if you don't give me something. <laughs> yeah. But. I think we've all done that yeah. in some way yeah. or another. So here comes the Holy Spirit again. Hey, little girl. <laughs> did you forget? You know, it did not take you a day to mess your life up. It's going to take you a lot more than a day to get your life back together. We've already discussed that you should be dead under that jail. You're not. You are at home with your kids. No, you're not in a cell anymore. You don't. You have whatever you want, whatever you you know, food wise, all that. You're a free woman, is what the Holy Spirit said to me. So I had to change those prayers again. Help me to be patient. I know you have a plan for me because you told me you have a plan for me. Help me to wait on that plan, God. And so, Moors, that's when Moors happened. I just went in there to talk to Juan I think, you know. And that led to a job, which, of course, was only on the weekends. But my grandparents lived close enough to Moore's I could have walked if nobody would have gave me a ride. So I was able to save up enough money to at least get me a phone. That was my first big girl purchase <laughs> was a phone and a part-time job. That was the first thing I got, you know, just on the weekends. Not enough to keep a stable, but it was a start. Right. And it gave me hope. And I decided to message Scott Smith, whom we stole the four-wheelers from, and ask him for a job. And that was one of the hardest things ever because, you know. Well, I was going to say, we talked about courage. I think that that probably took some courage to call and and Yes. I apologized first off, you know, and then just kind of told him, we've all done stupid things. I can't change that. Please help me. To get a start back. You don't owe that to me, but I loved working for him. I did. And at that point, I thought that was what my life would always be, doing hard manual labor, you know, because who's going to hire a three-time convicted felon? So he did not respond for about three weeks. And I woke up one morning, and I had a text from him. That I need a screen printer today. I was crying. Mm-hmm. I went running down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Crying, I'm gonna work. Can I use your vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> and so she did. She she let me use her vehicle and I went to work for them. 
And that was just amazing. That was just God uh, to know that somebody I had done that wrong who had already given me a chance after I hadn't had a chance in so long had given me a chance, this drug addict. And then we completely messed that up and went and stole stuff from him. And he is willing to give us or to give me another chance. I mean, that right there, that so many God moments in my life. And that was one of the biggest ones. Just to see the forgiveness and the understanding and to know that there are good people who who have hope and will give you a chance and that your past doesn't have to hold you down. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just have the courage to step out and ask for things, pray about these things, and there are people who God uses to show you what he says in his word. That's one of my um, favorite verses is First Peter 5.10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. I did. I I suffered for a long while because of my own actions, you know. But he did. He did restore me. And he made me strong and firm and steadfast. And he gets all the glory for that. Because everything in my life is all God. Because I would be nothing, I would have nothing if it wasn't for God. So, with my job at Scott's, <clears throat> I was able to save money, of course, because we I was still talking to Jared all the time, waiting on him to get out of prison. Had no idea, you know, what all I knew was hi, Jared. I didn't know sober Jared. Jared didn't know sober Leah. I didn't know sober Leah. So, you know, it was... That was another challenge there, and it was especially going to be a challenge with my family. But he got out of jail on May uh, the 5th of 2015. Me and his mom went to pick him up from prison. We were married July 24th, 2015. And my grandmother told him there, she said, I don't, I don't think y'all need to be doing this. <laughs> this is not very wise, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we are still married today. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see that Jarrett allowed God to work in his life just as much as I had mine. Of course, we wrote letters the whole time and talked and we talked about God. And But you never really know until you get out and are living with somebody and around somebody whether or not that's the case. But it has been and I cannot even begin to tell you the ways that God has blessed our marriage and our lives with the money I had saved up from working at Scott's. I had saved up enough for a down payment on a little single wide trailer. Mm -hmm. Me, Jarrett, and our three kids Mm -hmm. in this single wide three bedroom trailer Mm -hmm. with only one working bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we made it work. And we did. His dad gave us both vehicles. I was working for Scott. Jared went to work at a furniture factory. That's just really what we thought it would always be. That life would never get any better than that. That was as good as it was going to get. But God, one night at Moore's, my cousin came in and she was telling me about a job for um, Region 4, Timber Hills. 
And I was like, uh, you know I'm a felon. They're not fixing to give me a job. And so she was like, oh, I don't know if they'll hire a felon either, you know, so maybe you don't need to. But then she was like, no, just go ahead and put your application in. Just don't put your felon on there. <laughs> so I didn't. I just had to like, I don't it that far. But it just got to me and I was like, oh, I, don't, I, I think I need to let them know that. Because, you know, they're... They're going to do a background check or whatever. <laughs> They're going to find out. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I better come clean with that. <clears throat> and I thought that might hurt my chances. But my grandpa knew the guy that was um, the administrator for Region 4. So he called him. And um, Mr. Charlie was like, oh, yeah, we'll give her a chance. You know, like my grandpa explained, mm -hmm. you know, she's. Didn't do good for a long time, and she does have a bad record, but she's been doing good for over a year now, and we're just looking for a chance. He said, yeah, I'll give her a chance. So I got the results from my background check and called me back and told me they couldn't hire me. Oh. Mm. So there I was with them awful prayers again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Really? <laughs> Here you have making me think you's gonna do something for me. You just knock my feet out from under me. <laughs> Those prayers changed though, and I got the call back that I did get the job. <laughs> because my first name is Jacqueline. Of course, my grandpa don't think about that. <laughs> so, so when this man got this background check, he had no clue who Jacqueline was. And so after he figured out that Jacqueline was me, <laughs> they called me back and gave me the job. So, and that is a state job. Yeah. You know, should have been impossible for mm -hmm. a convicted felon to get, but God. It turned out to be uh, IDD program, which is adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. I was actually really freaked out because I was like, I just don't think I'm going to do well there. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I love, love, love those people. I still talk to him to this day. I met this one girl there. I started bringing her to my house on the weekends and stuff. And I still, to this day, go get Jack every other month. And she comes, she spends Christmas, Thanksgiving. She'll spend a weekend when she has a bedroom at my house. Yeah, so I was so thankful for that job and, and the time that I got to spend there. I worked there for about three years. Then I went to DHS, not, well, it was DHS, but in the economic assistance. 2016, my stepdad passed away. So my mom asked us to move in with her. So we moved out of our trailer and moved in with my mother. That was an experience. <laughs> Jarrett got a job working at Provia, where we both work today. The very wonderful company to work for. They are Christ-centered. Their main purpose is to be a light and to to be a light to others, to give glory to our Father in heaven. And it's just, they care about their employees. It's, it's just a great place to work for. It really is. Jared was truly blessed to get the job there and to not have be building furniture anymore too, because that was just so hard on him for the temptation mm -hmm. and hard on his body. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just hard. So he's working there, and I am at DHS. 
from DHS, I went back to Region 4. So then the job comes up at Provia for customer service. I'm like, I can do customer service. I can do that. So I applied for it. Nicole Carpenter, who was um, the accounting assistant for Provia, told Jared that I should apply for that job. They're not fixing to give me a job in accounting, and I hate math. I'm not good at math. And that's when I realized, oh, my gosh, I've been working. I've been doing math every day for <laughs> three years now. But I just want to ask, it's not algebra, is it? No, I've never had to put <laughs> an X or a Y with no. anything. I've never had to add an X or a Y. Exactly. But don't fight with the algebra teacher about that yeah. because I've been there doing that and they get angry. Yes. Well, I'm just I'm just gonna tell y'all in nursing and nursing math as they call it, it's algebra. Um, it's algebra. So you're not I'm not you're a nurse. Not a nurse. <laughs> so you are fine. No point. When she called to tell me that they were offering me the job, I said, oh, you don't know, because I knew they knew I was a felon. But I said, you know, some of them felonies are forgery. But y'all, when my background check came back, nothing, nothing showed up on it. Wow. What? Nothing. Jared, he took a little brief hiatus from Provia in there, and he had gone back, and so they had to do a background check on him, too. His record has been expunged. His parents paid to get that done for him. Uh -huh. Something still showed up on his background check. Wow. My record ain't been expunged. Not by man. It's been uh -huh. expunged by God. And oh. I mean, it's just, you know, just things like that. It's like that, that is God. Yeah. Because there's no, no way that shouldn't have shown something. And see, that um, gave me chills. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no speeding ticket. No, nothing. 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 Yes. That's what, when she was like, your background check came back clear. I was like, are you sure that was me? <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. But yes, there is a way. God. God mm -hmm. is the way. So I've been there since November 8th of last year. And I have got to tell my story. Um, like I said, it was in the Provia Pulse. So I've had so many people email me, call me, and tell me, about how my story gave them hope because they know somebody that was living in addiction that they've been praying for. I don't know why God decided to bless me like he did, but I'm just so thankful for it. I also lead the youth <laughs> at, at our church. And so I'm just thankful that I get the chance to teach them about Jesus and try to lead them in that way. I will close with this little last page of my testimony. I was a selfish addict with no hope for my future, but God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. We get down and out, frustrated and ready to give up, but God says, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. And that has become a verse that is so very important to me. Mm -hmm. I have to say that a lot. You know, don't don't get tired, Leah. I felt like my past would hold me back forever because I'm a convicted felon. I would be stuck at the bottom. But God says, 
Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 18-19 He sure made rivers flow in the wasteland of my life, made a way when there was no way in sight, restored to me all the things that I so foolishly lost and threw away. For every mountain we come up against in life, there is a but God, and I'm so thankful for that. I just love how open you are and how honest you are about your story. We all have a past. We all come from different things, and I just love how real you are about everything and also I'm so proud of you and Jarrett and the life that y'all have built and I know from his side of the family that they are so proud of y'all and just know that y'all are loved by so many that you may not even know and well as we talked about earlier that spark you've definitely thrown that spark out there and started some fires I'm sure <laughs> And as I was listening to the story, I'm just like cheering for you the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for sharing all that. Yes, I love to tell the story. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to jump into our rapid fire questions. And what's your song? This I Know by Lydia Laird. I think it's how you say her last name. Yes. My niece, who turned six Wednesday, asked me at Christmas, if we could sing a song in church together. And I said, sure, just pick a song. She said, Mary, did you know? I said, I'll pick a song. <laughs> I mean, that's that's hard to sing anyway, especially yes. with a six-year-old. Yeah. 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 So I talked to our choir later and was telling her about it. And so she found us this song, This I Know. Mm -hmm. Next Sunday, we will be singing that at church. Oh. So... This has been my song of the week for three or four weeks now while we've been. So what is your favorite, who is your favorite Disney princess? I am going with Belle. <laughs> just because Belle was not afraid to be different. Right. I love that. Oh, yes. I like and that. she didn't just cave because that's what Gaston wanted her to do. Yeah. What he thought it should do. Yeah. And she loved the beast mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. even though he was a beast, she yeah. still lived. Yeah, I like that. All right, well, I'm going to jump into a hard, the hard question. When's the last time you laughed and why? Today. <laughs> uh, we, we started out the baseball field this morning with the work day. So there was mud puddles there, and I'm saying kids slip and bow. And I know that sounds <laughs> awful, but I was laughing at <laughs> I was. <laughs> and then I've been laughing since we've been in here, too. So. Favorite place to relax? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I'm. I, just stop thinking. <laughs> my daughter says the couch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and this, I think the hard ones. Describe your job with three words challenging satisfying and miraculous very good, yes, very good. Yes. yes okay so before we officially end we ask our guests to do to bring a little happy for the next guest it's kind of a pay it forward type thing and this 
did you listen to our, you said you've never listened to a podcast ever. So you're going to have to go back and listen to Miss Kayla Dole's story. (laughs) She was a missionary overseas for three years and she had some awesome stories. So she brought you a candle holder from Egypt. And this is made of alabaster. And I wrote this down because I wanted to share her quote about it. She said, I love having it and giving it because in the Bible, the story of the lady who broke her alabaster jar and poured the perfume and oil on Jesus's feet. It reminds me to pour myself out at the foot of Jesus. And that is for you. I want to thank you for coming and being so brave and being a woman of fortitude and sharing your story. Thank you for having me.